Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Color Me Dead, a true crime podcast. I'll say that again, a true crime podcast. With that said, these gals are going to talk to you, and if you get on social media, show you some sick, twisted, vile, fucked up, nasty, disgusting things. If you find yourself sensitive, if you find yourself easily triggered, this might not be for you. Turn back now. If you think you got it and you can handle it, proceed. But first, grab a condom, because these girls are going to fuck your feelings. Welcome to Color Me Dead. It's the gory gals of the Color Me Dead podcast, Angel and Nikki. Come check us out on social media. We have Twitter at Color Me Dead Pod, Instagram at Color Me Dead Podcast. We also have Facebook with Color Me Dead Podcast as well as a group. Check us out on Patreon and thank you for all of your donations with our current sponsors. We have a bunch of different tiers that you can come and check out. We have plenty of perks that start with stickers. We have bonus episodes, sneak peeks, t-shirts. Blooper reels, and we're working on different merchandise. It's at patreon.com backslash color me dead podcast. We also have a threadless account where you can find us at color me dead pod dot threadless.com. And that's where you can pick up t-shirts, hoodies, blankets. We have bath mats, shower curtains, all kinds of things. And the best part is we're working on some new merchandise with new logos and new designs. Thanks to Tom Cusack from Horrid Taste. You can find him at Instagram and check out his designs as well. He also has a band called The Grave Tones. They are doing a new song for us, and it will be our new theme music. They are also playing a live show on December 23rd at the Penny Road Pub in Barrington, Illinois. If you want to go check them out, they are amazing. And I strongly recommend it, especially because they were so willing and cool about putting together some stuff just for me and Nikki. Uh, You can also check out one of our sponsors. It's the Purple Lotus, which is local to us, but they were able to put together some amazing bath bomb products for us. They did a signature bath bomb for each of the gory gals. We still have embers on there that you can get if you want to. The blood bath is mine, which is, you know, what better way to relax after a long day than bathing in the blood of your enemies? This scent includes deep patchouli grapefruit as well as pomegranate, and it's a deep red color. It's very moisturizing, and it smells amazing. Mine is called Sweet Sticky Murder. It is peach and honey because I love everything peach. And it's very soothing. It will help you unwind as well yes. as smell amazing. And even though Ember is a former gory gal who has taken a step back, we're keeping hers on as the soul eater. It's a dark mixture of cedar, sandalwood, and amber, and it's black in the water, which is amazing. The Purple Lotus is local to us. You guys can order and have it shipped to you, and you don't even have to pick our scents. They have things like... Coconut, cucumber, melon, honey, almond, lavender, lavender, cedar wood, lemon sugar cookie, lilac, orange cream, 
pain and stress relief, patchouli, peppermint, peppermint lavender, pomegranate, sandalwood, tiger's blood, and vanilla. And not only that, if you guys order the large bath bombs, they have a crystal inside with the meaning of each crystal and what it does to help you soothe, relax, and unwind in your bath. If you guys are interested in doing so, you can check them out at the Purple Lotus Vernal on Instagram, Facebook, as well as Pinterest. They also have a page called squareup.com slash store slash the Purple Lotus Vernal. If you enter the promo code DEADPOD15 in all caps, you will get 15% off at checkout. They also have things like salt lamps, bath bombs, oils, they do Reiki. They do so much stuff. If you're local, you can order online and choose to pick up in-store or have it shipped to you. And they really are great products. And they are it's a way to support small and local business, which we wholeheartedly encourage you guys to do. Yes. So let's talk about our meet and greet in February. Yes, because February 10th, we were going to do the local meet and greet here in Vernal, Utah. Um, we are nailing down the details on that as we speak. Nikki and I are going to be putting out a event invite. Yes, we, we want to get as many RSVPs as possible so we know how many people to plan for. So if you're going to make it, let us know. And it's going to include things like donated art, uh, crafts, t-shirts, stickers, things of that nature. And all of our proceeds are going to go to benefit uh, domestic violence advocacy. We'll be there telling some survivor stories that we've been sent by listeners We'll probably do a live episode. Some live, live Facebook, Facebook feed for those that can't be there. And anything we can do to help you guys get here and uh, make sure you RSVP. Last but not least is the amazing headphones that we are sponsored by. Studio Sweden. They are the most amazing headphones. I have the over-the-ear ones. You can either plug them in or they can go Bluetooth. They cancel everything out. I was shampooing. And I couldn't hear the shampoo or I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. And you can actually get 15% off with our promo code. And that is for all of their different products. I highly recommend that you guys check these out. I have let people use mine. They have a battery life of almost 30 days. Check out studiosweden.com. Use that promo code. Color me dead 15. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this show. Hello. Hello. Oh, hello. Oh, hi. I'm Nikki from the Color Me Dead podcast. And I'm Angel. Welcome back to another fun-filled episode. Of Who Knitted This Sweater? <laughs> I don't know. I, can't, I don't know where to go. <laughs> so, this will be the first episode of Just the Two of Us. And I, I almost feel like we should be singing that Will Smith song. Just, Just the, the Two of Us. us. We can make it if we try. Just the two I of us. I probably should never, Ooh. ever sing again, though. I don't have a singing voice, and I'm sick as fuck because Nikki and my husband both got, like, the gamboo. I don't know what kind of swamp people shit they got, but they gave it to me. You haven't put two and two together yet, have you? We were sick at the same time. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Back off, bitch. I would never tell. (laughs) Not that I would never do it. So I would never tell. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Your look, your face when I said that was totally worth everything. I would never tell. I would never tell. Wait a minute. So this would be episode 35, and we decided 
to do Ronald Gene Simmons, who is kind of uh, what we like to call the Santa Slayer. Yeah, he chose Christmas time for his slings, and he had a beard like a Santa. So Ronald Gene Simmons, um, you guys will learn through the next two parts. Two pot. Two pot. Pot one. You guys will learn what a fucking creepy douchebag this guy really is. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that you knew what a cunt he was before we started in on what he did. Because what he did is fucking atrocious. It's fuckery most valid is finest. It most certainly is. But before we get to that, things that he did prior to that are equally yeah as nasty. Yeah. So, first and foremost, I want to apologize to you guys for any... Um, sniffing or coughing that you might hear because <laughs> of the fucking gambo. And um, if I sound like I should be reading dirty old lady stories on you Audible, just go with it and just make it all yeah. sexual and sultry yeah. and oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so mm-hmm. Ronald Gene Simmons, who went by the name Gene, was born on July fifteenth in nineteen forty. To Loretta and William Simmons. Now, he's not Gene Simmons from Kiss, just to clear that up. Yeah, no. <laughs> wrong, wrong Gene Simmons. Um, Loretta and William actually married on May 9th of 1934, and they were pregnant with their first son within a month, but it was like shortly thereafter that they realized they weren't right for each yeah, other. Yeah, they like they got married, realized they were like, well, maybe you're not the one for me, even though they were pregnant, so they were like, well, fuck it. I guess okay, we let, fucking... Let's do... Let's fucking wing it. Yeah. I'm, I'm in if you're in. <laughs> we doing this? What? Are we doing this? Fuck it. Yeah. I'm okay with it if you're okay with it. Yeah. I don't know why I fuck that up every single time, but I'm just going to have to keep going with it. Yeah, I guess. So, their first son, Robert William, was born on March 5th, 1935. Loretta and then Will... Loretta and then William, because they did it separately. Loretta yes. and William then divorced in 1936. They remarried... In 1939. Yeah. I don't know why the fuck people do this. And in the meantime, like, she was going to college and trying to get different degrees and, like, kept going for a minute and stopping and going and and, and she ended up getting a degree. But it's, like, a common thing because um, Dean Corll's mom did it. Yeah. They did it. If you get fucking divorced... Let's stay that way. Just let it fucking roll, dude. Yeah. Like, there clearly wasn't enough... To keep you guys together in the first fucking place, don't remarry because then it costs extra money to get remarried and then the fucking next divorce. Yeah. So they remarry and Jean was born six weeks premature. Loretta and William had Nancy Ellen February 4th of 1942. So he has an older brother. Yes. And a little sister. Yep. Um, A year later... William died on the job from, an, uh, like, a massive coronary thrombosis. And Gene was only three, what, three, like, three yeah, years old? Yeah, he was old? just a little bit, yeah, he was about three when he died. Just, like, he was at work one day and he died. Like, a massive fucking coronary. Yeah. And just keeled over? Yeah. Nice. The end. I guess she didn't have to worry about being married to him anymore. Well, at least she didn't have to pay for that second fucking divorce. Nope. That shit gets expensive. It, that it does. <laughs> so, um... Loretta married yet another William, William Davenport Griffin, on October of 1943. She moves quickly. Yes. But I'm assuming that a woman with three children in the 40s needed some income coming in. Well, yeah. 
And she was smart to marry another William because, you know, going to fuck his name up. Fair I mean, enough. I'm just saying. <laughs> Say the wrong name. It's a no big deal. And Jean would go on to call him Dad Griffin. Yes. Which is weird. That's very weird. But... A little strange. Um, Loretta and William Griffin had one more child, Peter Ira Griffin. <laughs> Peter. You said Peter. Peter Griffin? Yes. I know. We have Gene Simmons and Peter Griffin. <laughs> um, sorry. You're good. Inmate. No. <laughs> no, you're good. No, you're good. So, Peter Ira Griffin was born May 1945, and then she was pregnant again by Thanksgiving. Yes. So, they clearly needed to get a wood-burning stove so that they had different ways to heat the house. Something like... Or... Yeah. Because goddamn Pez Dispenser. Yeah. She gave birth to twin boys who actually died within hours of their birth. Yeah. That's actually pretty funny. That was sad. really sad. I don't like it. I don't think anybody deals well with, like, child murder or, like, child death. No. And we no, because when I read that, yes. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, "Oh my god, how sad!" Because that's horrible, like, especially back then. And carrying twins and to give birth to them and have them pass—that had to be horrible. Yeah, I agree. Anybody that carries a baby full term and then they die because you've had all that time. Like, I think it's one thing to go through a miscarriage and suffer that loss and grieve that way, Ugh. but to carry them full term, actually like bond with your babies, give birth, and then have them die within hours later. That's a fucking rough go. I had two miscarriages, and when when I was, I was only nine weeks, but it tore my heart out. I can't even imagine going all the way through. Yeah, it took years to recover from that. Exactly, because then you would actually have to put little babies in coffins and mm-hmm. bury them. Yuck. Nope. Dad Griffin moved them to Hector, Arkansas, in 1946 in October where he then became employed by the Army Corps of Engineers. Mm-hmm. And so he was doing different repair work, maintenance, that kind of things. They moved to a suburb of Little Rock called Landmark in 1950. And Gene didn't really have any friends, and it started, it, it turned him into a problem child. It really did, because he's 10, he keeps moving, he doesn't make friends when he goes to the new schools, and then he's just turning into a dick. Because he started bullying Peter mm-hmm. quite a bit. Yeah, and Peter, how much younger was Peter? He was, he was born in 40. Peter was born in... They were six. Fuck. They were five years apart. Oh, you almost said six. So he's 10 and Peter's five and he's bullying the fuck out of Peter like a nice boy. That's like Calvin and Addison. If Calvin bullied Addison, I slapped the shit out of him. (laughs) But he was, (laughs) and he was kind of an impossible child. Gene bullied the shit out of Pete, like, quite a bit. And he was turning into, like, an impossible child. Everything had to be his way. Everything always had to be right, no matter what. And it... He couldn't handle being wrong. Like, if he did something and somebody was like, you're no, I'm not, you're wrong. Like, that kind of shit. Like, just a little fucking dick. Just one of those little punk-ass... Yes. Like fucking kids that you're like... Or, like, I meant to do it like that. No, I didn't mess up. I meant to do it like that. All right, fucker. So he always had to be right, no matter what. Now, his mom and dad, Griffin, sent him to a Catholic boarding school called the Morris Academy in the fall of 1953, but talked his mom into letting him come home by Thanksgiving. Yeah. So he sounds like he's a bit of a mama's boy, and she oh, had yeah. a soft spot for her kid. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know any mom that doesn't have a soft spot for their kid, but no. if you send him away to a fucking boarding school and you talk your mom into coming home by Thanksgiving... Yeah. Well, and the fact that she was really sick didn't help. So she's sick, and she's trying to make everything right. And she had arthritis. She had cervical cancer. She had colitis. 
um, angina pectoris, and a hardening inner arteries. So yeah. she had a lot of illness. Yeah. Like, that's a lot that to fucking deal with. Because the angina pectoris is a chest pain or pressure from not enough blood flow. So you have that. Cervical cancer, colitis. Dude, and Jesus I... Jesus Christ. I have... And four kids. <laughs> and four fucking kids. I have... I have Crohn's. Dealing with my Crohn's alone. Alone. And colitis is a lot like Crohn's, isn't it? Yeah. They pretty much walk hand in hand. That's what I thought. It's like, so- ulcerative colitis just comes with having Crohn's disease. Yeah. And so having that and cervical cancer, no, because it's not just one thing, like one area, it's all over. No, you're literally in pain from fucking top to bottom. Yeah, and with four kids. Mm -hmm. So by the time he was 14, he was bigger than his parents and he would threaten them a lot, tell them no a lot, challenge like dad griffin said he would knock his head off if he ever hit him again yeah because back then beating your kids was an okay thing and it was a thing that people did a lot so when dad griffin would get mad at him and swat his ass he'd be like do that again i'll knock your fucking head off like a little cunt well and so this is where i'm glad that i'm a fucking scrapper (laughs) and that i'm scary in real life when i get angry because both of my kids are twice my fucking size. Yeah, but they're not going to tell you they're going to knock your fucking head off. And they better not ever because I'll fucking chew their hearts out yeah. of their chest. Well, and they know better and they have enough, they have enough respect. My kids are really fucking cool, dude. Like, I know I talk shit on them and I joke about it and stuff, but my kids are extra fucking cool. And in mm-hmm. all honesty, I couldn't ask for better kids. But if either one of them ever talked to me like that, I would kick their fucking legs out from underneath them and beat the shit out of them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Come don't fuck around. Calvin's going to be bigger than me. He might not be a lot taller than me, but that boy, you see, our wrists are like the same size. I know, he's he's built built like a brick shithouse. I'm going to have to make sure he stays scared of me and listens. I have never, ever even had to put my hands on my kids, not one time. Ever. That's good. Maybe a swat to the back of the head when they're being cunty, but that's usually when they're being, like, sarcastic and I'm not in the mood. Yeah. And I'm like, tink, and I just tap them on the back of the head and I'm like... Get your fucking mind right. Sometimes when your kids are sarcastic, are you like, don't be sarcastic with me right now. And you have to get mad at them. And then afterwards, you're like, that was a good one. I know. <laughs> well, and like, it's kind of, so squirrel hunt really quick. The other day, um, I was having a conversation with my kid and I got a letter in the mail that his sister made on. I roll. love this. Little motherfucker. It makes me so happy. God, they're so fucking smart though. <laughs> so I get a letter in the mail. His sister has made honor roll. Awesome. But she has been on honor roll literally every trimester for the past, like, two, three years. She's smart as fuck. She is clever. Way clever. Yeah. Clever girl. Clever girl. But Logan got fucked last year because his orchestra orchestra teacher failed him all three trimesters at the end of the year. So he got bumped down off the dean's list. On what grounds? How do you fail orchestra? I'm just wondering. I know I got a shitty grade out of PE, so I'm not one to talk. That's because the written test I didn't do. I have no idea because I've confronted her and I've sent her emails and she has no answers for me. The only thing that she ever said was that he left the concerts early. And I'm like, that's not true. That's not true because he checked out before he ever left because you have to check out, get your... um, I almost said, get your weapon. Get I thought your... you were going to say, get your wand. I'm like, I'm... <laughs> no, get your instrument and then leave. But she really had, I think she just had her favorites and then that she like preferred. And then she had the kids that she didn't give a shit about. And I think my son was one of them, but back at the ranch. So I sit my son down and I'm like, well, I see that your sister made honor roll. Why didn't you? 
And he's like, well, I got an A in this class. I got a B in this class. I got a B in this class. And I'm like, motherfucker, explain to me why you were not on honor roll then. Well, I think I got a D in math. And I'm like, you think you got a fucking D in math or you got a D in math? (laughs) And he like does this thing where he does the Mr. Burns and he like puts his fucking fingers together. (laughs) And he's like thinking about the things that he needs to say. And he says, I got a D in math. And I'm like, what is the fucking rule? Now, for those of you who are not familiar, the rule is you are never to bring me anything less than a C. And if you stay after school and you aren't getting the fucking help that you need, then you need to come home, tell mom and dad so that we can get you a tutor. If after you get tutoring, all you can bring me, the best you can bring me is a C, then I get it, dude, because not every subject is going to be your bag. Yeah. But you never came to me and you never asked for any additional help, nor do I remember you fucking staying after. So I'm like, what's the rule? And he's like, nothing less than a C. And I'm like, well, why didn't you come talk to me? And he's like, well, I realize it wasn't maximum effort. And I'm giving (laughs) finger quotes right now. I realize it wasn't maximum effort, but it was my effort without involving you. And I'm like, no, dude, you can't do that. That's not the fucking agreement that we made. And he's like... I get that, but I wanted to try and take care of it on my own. (laughs) And so we go back and forth for a few minutes, and I'm like, well, it's looking a whole lot like you're going to be electronically blacked out for a minute. (laughs) And that's when the debate starts. This kid is going to make A, an excellent lawyer, B, a fantastic congressman, or C, a fucking criminal like you would not believe. Well, and he's not a loudmouth kid either. He's no. really well thought out when he speaks. It's thought out. It's not. He doesn't say shit just to say shit. He's, no. And very respectful. He is. He's a good kid. Yeah. But he's like, now listen. I don't think because I told him I was like, I'm fucking taking your games away. I'm taking your fucking phone away. Like you bring me a fucking D. You never ask me for any help. This is going to be your punishment. I don't think that taking my games away totally is going to benefit you because the games are not the cause of the bad grade. I said, I realize that because we've had that happen. In the, I've, we've had that happen in the past where like video games interfered with my, my son's grades. But I said, I'm taking away the things that you love to punish you. And he's like, well, I don't think that's going to benefit you either. I think it would benefit you to do double chores and a reduced gaming time. And I mean, at every turn in the fucking road, this kid had a rhyme and a reason for why I shouldn't take away his video games. It was bananas. I've never in my life been stumped by a 15-year-old. It was awful. It was amazing. Not on your side, but on mine. Well, I mean, I would be like, no, we're taking the games away because this is what you like. Okay, but I feel like games benefit me because they help me with my cognitive learning, my hand-eye coordination, and it also helps me with like problem solving and the double chores benefit you because you do less i'm like you little son of a bitch i know you just know how to weasel your way in fucker so (laughs) (laughs) sorry let's get back to the case i realized that was a little long but no my kid is extraordinarily fucking smart and in a lot of ways it fucks me over so at this point gene is so out of control that they actually decide to send him back to the morris academy in the fall of 1955 and at this time he's 15 While he was at the Morris Academy, his family transferred to Albuquerque, New Mexico because dad, Griffin, had debilitating asthma and allergies in Arkansas. So they wanted to move to like the drier climate to try and get away from some of it. It was fucking with him so bad that he couldn't function. Ugh. I can imagine. Ugh. 
Gene finishes out school at the Morris Academy and joins his family back in New Mexico in June of 1956. When he first returned, he was really well behaved. Go figure, like most fucking kids. Well, because he spent a year in this, and because this school was also meant for misbehaving. It was like a reformatory. Yeah, it was. So he spends a whole school year there. So when he comes home, he has a little bit of, you know, a little bit of something, and then he gets back in the swing. So it makes me think that his mom and Dad Griffin didn't discipline him. Right. Right. Or keep up on the, like, if if you've gone to a reformatory, they put you in a schedule. Yeah. And they teach you routine. And the routine is, if you do this, this is the result. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a choice and consequence, choice and consequence. And if you don't keep up on that and you don't keep a kid on a schedule, they're going to fucking stray. And then they're going to turn into little shits, which he totally fucking did. Yeah, and I I feel like he was born a little shithead, and but I also feel like that his parents didn't really do what they needed to do to make him not be one or like curb that. Yeah, well, and his mom not feeling good, and and I bet Dad Griffin was working all the time, and yeah, because he did. He turned right back into a little shit. Was telling his mom no, telling everybody that he hated him, and at this point, he's like fucking sixteen. Sixteen. Have you had? I mean, maybe I'm out of reality here, but. At 16, do you have one that's like, I hate you and I hate everybody and I'm leaving? Like, that's what I see in my head is him throwing those fits. Like fucking temper tantrums? Throughout his life, he throws a lot of those temper tantrums. Just My kids have never said that shit, like, to me. Yeah. They've said it about situations and people. But never like, I hate you. No, and never to each other. Like, they've never said it to me or their dad, and they've never said it to each other that I'm aware of. At 16. Like, I can see a younger no, kid. No, I've got a 15 and 17-year-old. Well, I mean, yeah, and he's at, he's 16 years old saying this to his... I could see if it was, like, a fucking three-year-old or five-year-old. Well, yeah. Because they don't... Yeah, Tyler tried that with me. I hate you. I was like, all right, I'll leave. <laughs> Actually, you leave. This is my house. Go see if you can walk down the road find yourself a new family if you hate me. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, she was like... Oh, shit. I'm like, get out. If you hate me, this is where I live. You leave. And it maybe it was harsh. I don't know, but it worked. She never said it again. <laughs> I love that. All right, get the fuck out. Pack yeah. your shit. Go find a new family. I'm not going to sit out. here and try to argue with you about what you have and what you don't have because your mind is made up that you hate me. So go. Bye. There, there's. I'm sure there's a Kick family. fucking rocks, Felicia. Yeah, I'm sure there's a family that likes you or that you like because we love you. But you don't like me. I think I ran away from home once and got to like the bottom of the street and was like, all by Never myself. Mind. Never mind. I don't want to be. Oh, yeah. by my tail. She, she was, like, <laughs> fighting me. No, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm like, you love me, don't you? Okay. Then you fucking be right. Mm-hmm. In 1957, uh, the family was then transferred to Berkeley, California. And one month later, they moved to Mill Valley, California. So in September of 57, Gene enlisted in the U.S. Navy. With the blessing of Mom and Dad Griffin. Yeah. Because they were like, you are such a little shithead. Maybe the Navy can help you, you little cocksucker. I'm done dealing with you. So if he was 16, how did he fucking, did they like sign him in? Yeah. Oh, okay. They gave him the blessing. They helped him and they got him in and okay. signed him in. Mm-hmm. All right. Because that was my question is like. Yeah. If he was only 16, 17 years old, then they had, had to, like, sign away rights. He had just 17, because his birthday is in July. So, in September, he had just turned 17, but they signed him. They signed oh, shit so him. they, like, in... Li- okay, mm-hmm. I'm with you. So, he spent 19 months in Guam, and he was stationed in Bremerton, Washington. When he came back from Guam. Guam? Guam? 
Wow. Guan. I, I, I put an N on the end. Guan. 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 So he started going to the USO dances at the YMCA where he met a girl named Becky. Now, Becky lived with her sister and her brother-in-law, who was also in the Navy. And they had kind of fallen in, like, fallen for each other in a short time. Like, what? Like a month? Yeah, it was like a month. She was there um, helping her sister. Her sister was pregnant. And... So she was there just kind of helping out, staying with them, because the brother-in-law was in the in the Navy. In the Navy. In the Navy. So, Becky was born in New Mexico. Her dad had abandoned them, and her mother, May, remarried a man that was not good for her. I, his, his name was Andy Novak, I believe. Okay. And she was the youngest of five kids, and he didn't treat any of them right. He, he had two more kids with May after that, and he treated those kids like gold. But he had, like, this certain standard that was his kids and her, her kids. kids. So oh. he had, as soon as her kids... He was one of those fucking dads. Yeah. As I soon as her like kids left, then everything was good. So, of course, Becky was ready to get the fuck out of there as soon as possible. And that's why she was with her sister. So, like, a month after she met Jean... They moved to Chicago, Illinois, because her brother-in-law got transferred there. She stayed there for a little while and then moved to Texas with some other family for I don't know what reason. It didn't really say. But through all this time, through 1959 to 1960, they were writing letters to each other. So Becky and Jean were keeping in touch through written letters. Yes. Okay. And this is the first girl he'd ever, like, dated or had anything to do with. Ever. And okay. he was, what, 17 at this time? So, yeah. Well, 57. By 1960, he was 19. Did I do that math right? I don't know. Yes. 20. 1920. Yeah, right around there. And that's, I mean, considering that he was in a reformatory school and a boarding school and everything, which I'm assuming was going to be all male. It was, yeah. It, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's, Well, and they were moving. That's why I put in all of their moves so you could see how much. It was just like, and like the one time, it was a month after they got there. Yeah. Come on. So, of course, he, you know, wasn't very social and wasn't into dating. Anyway, in July of 1960, they ended up getting married in Raton, if that's how you say it, Raton, New Mexico. Raton. Raton. Becky gave birth to their first son, Ronald Gene Simmons Jr., a.k.a. Little Gene. That's what they called him all the time, on July of 1961. Gene then, he, he had gotten out of the Navy and enlisted in the Air Force in January of 1963 and was in there for 16 years. He retired as a Master Sergeant in 1979, and throughout his career, he received many awards like a Bronze Star. He was really good at his military shit. I didn't add all of his military shit because there was so much. Like, we could do almost an episode on just his military career. Because he was in for so long. Right. So many Well, and that's not... I mean, while we definitely support all of our servicemen, this one I am not going to support. (laughs) No. But all of that is not... Luckily, while he was in the service, he did good things. He was like an excellent marksman. He was he did a lot of the computer stuff. He was he was a smart motherfucker and did good while he was in there for the military, not right. for his fucking family. Tell me more. Because in 1963, he started emotionally abusing Becky. 
He was degrading her. He made sure that he that she knew that he was in control. Like, wouldn't give her money. Yeah. Didn't, like, and it was kind of a power trip thing. Like, I make all the money. Yeah. I'll give it to you when I see fucking fit. And she had to bring him back, like, all the receipts and everything. And he and there was some times that he wouldn't give her money to go get food for the kids because... Just, just because. Just because. Power trip. They had their second child, Sheila Marie, on, in October of 1963. She was his favorite from the very second that she came out. He was... That was his little girl. Like His the, princess. The world revolved around this little gal. They then had William Henry Simmons on January 25th of 1965. God damn, get it out. 1965. 1965. This makes their third kid in four years. Fuck, that's a lot of babies under five. It is. And they hadn't known each other for very long. Like, his, yeah. Ke- yeah. But that's how it went back then, really. It, there weren't oh, long engagements and shit. Still how it works out today. Gene hmm. 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 reenlisted in the Air Force in January of 1967, and then he spent 13 months in Vietnam. That was kind of his, when he reenlisted, that was one of his little things. He's like, I'll reenlist, and I'll go to Vietnam. Like, all right, whatever. So he reenlisted, went to Vietnam. But he moved his family up to Walsenburg back in Washington because mm-hmm. her mom and stepdad lived there. He put his family in a travel trailer, parked it in the field that was next to their house, kind of, and put it on blocks so oh, nobody could move it fuck. while he was gone. So they white he white trash fucking, like, stalemated him. Yeah, and while he was gone, he wouldn't let her have any control of the money still. He still, he mailed in all of their payments. He sent her just a little bit of money, what she so what needed. So what the fuck was going to, what the fuck was going to happen if anything happened to him while he was in Vietnam? I don't know. What the fuck was she going to do? I don't with know. With three young kids and no fucking money. I have no idea. He's just. Because it's not like, don't get me wrong, like, my dad went to Vietnam. He was over there for a year and a half, I think. My real dad, not my stepdad. But, uh, and he made it home. But people fucking drop like flies over there. They did. They did. And what are you going to do with your family when you won't even let your wife take control of the money? You're so controlling. And how long, like how far in advance did he have to plan to mail his shit from Vietnam? Uh, Who fucking knows? I do not. I do not know. I don't either. I don't know. He was just, he's just a fucking control freak. I know a few of those. What? I know a few of those. I do too. Hmm. In 1968, when he returned from Vietnam, then they moved to San Francisco. On April 1st of 1970, his mom's illness finally took over and she died. But Jean stayed close with Dad Griffin. Right. Yeah. No, they still stayed in contact and like shared correspondence, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, In July of that same year, Becky and Jean had their fourth child who they named Loretta May. Loretta after his mom and May after her mom. So all of his kids ended up having family names. It doesn't explain all of them, but that one I figured out by myself. <laughs> and Gene Simmons Jr. Ronald Gene Simmons Jr. got that one by myself too. Just saying, <laughs> I'm smart. He was transferred to England in 1973, and then brought his family over later. They had baby number five in England, who was Edward Davenport, born on July 15th, 1973. Shared the same birthday with his fucked up daddy. Mm-hmm. What a lucky little motherfucker. <laughs> Somewhere between 1974 and 1975, though, 
Gene started beating on his wife. Yeah, this is where he took it from emotional abuse and control to straight up physical assault. Yes, and let's just take a minute to think about this. So, they've been married for 14 years now, Mm -hmm. and he's now beating on her. 14 years later. Look at the signs, people. (laughs) If you're hiding your husband and the way he's treating you, look at the signs, because it's probably going to end up getting worse. Just saying. Yes. Get out now. Go. Get out. (laughs) Bye. At one point in their relationship, Becky asked if she could... She's like, hey, Jean, you teach me how to drive? And he flipped the fuck Dude, out. Dude, and she was in her fucking 30s with five kids. So, yes. like, not only would you think that that would be a, not not just a practical thing, but, like, a mandatory thing. Especially yeah. if your husband is constantly fucking deployed. If How the fuck was she doing Vietnam. anything? So, her mom and stepdad were right there while he was in Vietnam. But, remember that she doesn't get along with the stepdad. He was a cunt. Like, he, she would write letters to Gene while he was in Vietnam saying what a bitch Andy was, her stepdad. I think they called him Pa Novak or some shit like that. I can't remember his name. But she would say what a piece of shit he was. She couldn't wait to get away from him. So she probably wasn't asking them to go anywhere. Like take her for fucking rides to go get groceries and other shit. Yeah, and so that's probably why she maybe wanted to learn how to drive. I don't know. So he flipped the fuck out on her because she wanted to drive. And he was like, don't I take care of you good enough? Don't I do this for you? Don't I do that for you? Why would you want to drive? Because so you can leave me like just a whole like guilt trip of what the like, what the fuck? I could only imagine she was just like, what the fuck? Because I want to be able to go get milk if we run out. And he ended up beating the fuck out of her because she wanted to learn how to drive a car. And that was to teach her a lesson. Yes. That was his idea. Or, like, his way of not only establishing, like, dominance over her, but showing her, like, don't ever, don't ever try to get out of this yeah. situation. Don't, what I, what I say goes. Otherwise, I'm going to fuck you um, up. Well, and he had this weird thing where he wanted everybody to just love him. And he thought that by controlling everybody, it was going to make them just really, really love him. And he he was like this forever. He had some weird thought that nobody yeah, but loved him. People are fucking dogs. Yeah, and he didn't. I don't know. He never really grasped that. I don't know what his fuck up was in his head, but he thought that by doing all of this, it was going to make everybody love and appreciate him. Because all he ever wanted was a big family. He wanted to live in Arkansas with his big family of all these people who love him, and that was that. So apparently, by controlling them he thought that that's how he was going to get what he wanted anyway yeah because control equals love yeah and so he blamed her he blamed becky for the abuse like it's your fault you bring this shit on yourself look at what you make me do yeah yeah just like that but she decided to put on a happy face and move on and their happy little family everything's great let me just brush this under the fucking rug and pretend like none of it happens and I'm just going to act like everything's normal and perfect. Yeah. So over the next few years, he would decide that he needed to prove his love to everybody. And and so he would take them to Disneyland because they weren't very far from it. So he'd take them to Disneyland. 
Then one time he decided to take him roller skating. Okay. Because he thought this would be a fun oh, yeah. family bonding roller like roller skating trip. Let's all go roller skating. Totally well, wrong. Well, he he learned how to roller skate by reading. Because you because that's that. how that works. Yeah. And he is so fucking stupid and so fucking bullheaded that he thinks you can literally read about something and know exactly how to do it and be an expert. And he, honest to God, believed this. And so he goes and he like had the, you know, like the whole motion in his head. Like you do this first and you do that. He falls, busts his elbow open. Well, of course, he throws a fucking fit and is like, fuck this. Fuck skating. I'm not skating ever again. Throws a fit. Yeah, no, like, has his classic fucking come apart. Yes. Because it didn't go exactly the way he wanted it to go. Yeah. So now would be a good time to mention that he was a bit of a hoarder. Like an article hoarder. Yes. He kept articles from different magazines and newspaper. And much like Ed Gein, they were things that interested him. So... It was things about, like, incest and... Okay, so that right there. Let that fucking sink in. Yeah. And Andy had one of... Multiple ones. Of service men who murdered their families. Yeah, like military men that had murdered their families. But he had different shit in this fucking box of just nastiness yeah he had he like filed everything he had everything filed and organized and all kinds of shit but it was like he would save so many articles and shit about anything it was not anything no specific yeah very specific things but he also kept records of like even grocery receipts or like bills that they paid and uh, okay i get that like maybe i live in a time because i know that my dad did that he kept like a seven year file retention but that's also when you like wrote checks to pay your fucking bills yeah. and shit and actually like balanced a fucking checkbook because we don't do that anymore how often do you fucking do that never no because you never can go online and look exactly what exactly there. so You're it's like, like a different i know what i spent i'll go check make sure we're on the same page <laughs> fuck right well and most of my shit i either pay online or i it's an automatic withdrawal and i so and i know that so we live in a completely different era but i know that you know, prior to the internet and everything else, my dad had this gigantic black fucking to the ceiling, like floor to ceiling fucking file cabinet. And that's where he kept all of the statements for bank, credit cards, utilities, whatever. And then it always had like the check number written down and when it fucking cleared and all that shit. Well, if I remember right, Gene would get like, he would keep the receipts from when his wife went to the grocery Mm -hmm. store. And if he got mad at her, he would, like, pull it out and be like, you spent this and this and on this. Why the fuck would, why did you spend that much? Like, just dumb shit. Just, just. Looking for reasons Mm -hmm. to, to be an a-hole. Pretty much. Anyway, over time, Gene turned to his favorite child. This is where shit gets fucking creepy, guys. He turned to her for love because he felt like nobody else loved him. And she showed him the love that nobody else would. She loved him. She was daddy's little girl. So it was always daddy and loves and cuddles and twinkled. Her little eyes twinkled when they were together. And he would always... So he would always have pictures taken of just the two of them together. And he took pictures of all the... Ba- like, he took pictures of all the kids in the bathtub. But he always kept her separate. That's so creepy. Like... It didn't mention what ages they were when... Well, like, me and my brothers took baths together up until I think we were, like... But if... Eight or nine. And if I'm looking at this right, she's, like, ten. 
when he's keeping these pictures. Right. And like he always referred to her as like little princess and ladybug. 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 Um, but he kept her separate. So let that fucking sink in on top of, you know, the articles of incest mm-hmm. that he kept meticulously filed. After three years in England, they were transferred back to the States and they were in Cloudcroft, New Mexico. Gene's endgame and life dream was to go back to Arkansas buy his old family house and raise his big family there. However, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, he kept trying to file to get transferred there, but they were like, no. No, not going to happen. So Becky and Jean had another little girl named Marianne in 1976 and one more in 1979 that they named Rebecca Lynn. Mm -hmm. So now they have seven children. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of fucking children. Uh Uh-huh. And what year they got married in like 1960? D, and so it's 79, 19 years they've been having kids. They have. <laughs> yeah. No. Seven kids. No, thank you. Nope. After Becky gave birth to Rebecca Lynn, the doctors said that she should not have any more kids due to complications and they wanted to tie her tubes. However, they couldn't do it without Jean's consent. Becky, like, fucking begged. Yeah, she did. Begged to have her fucking tubes tied. They said that they... Basically, the doctors were like, you will fucking die if you have any more children. So, reluctantly, he agreed. He was finally like, okay, fucking whatever. Like, and it was a fit. Like, a fit Like, threw a fucking, yeah. Had a hissy. Because they were like, um, your wife might die if she has any more children. He's like, fuck, fine. My eyes cannot roll hard enough when we talk about this son of a bitch. He's such a piece of shit. And when you see the pictures of him, like, and it all comes together, and you see, you can see the cuntiness in his face. (laughs) God, I hate him so <coughs> <make> much. <coughs> Tell me. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. At this point, he pretty much viewed his wife as, like, useless. Like, yeah. you're not breeding stock anymore. You can't produce any more children. I wanted a gigantic family. I realize you've pumped out seven puppies in the last 19 years. But now you're, you're just useless. fucking... And he, like, looked at her as basically, like, a repulsive piece of meat because she could no longer procreate. Yeah. Could you imagine? Could you? Could you imagine? Could could you imagine? If that's all your husband thought of you? No. Is a fucking baby factory. I have three, and I feel like that's plenty. Like, number three threw me for a loop, because I was like, but I just wanted two. (laughs) I love her to death. She's my little, you know, my little sidekick. My little evil baby? My little evil baby. But it scared the fuck out of me. I can't even imagine seven. Dude, that gives me fucking hives. That, like, I will have, like, if you say seven kids around oh. me and mean it, I'll fucking break out into hives. It, but they both wanted that. Like, when they met, they both talked about how much they wanted a big family. So, she knew what she was getting into. Ooh, she fucking got it. Still, fuck. So, Gina was coming up on retirement. Which, why the fuck, at retirement age, or retirement at all in the army, would you want to keep producing kids? Yeah, he's well, he's in the Air Force, but it's still the same. Oh, sorry, Air Force. My bad. It was yeah. Navy and then Air Force. My yeah, because money is going to be different. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's going to be a little less when you retire. It's not going to be as steady. Right. Well, in the process, he had continued to get himself into some financial injury. You turned into a, a robot. <laughs> 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 I felt like one of those little old adding machines. Yeah. <laughs> so he <laughs> he continued to get himself into some financial like issues, some problems. 
and he'd been borrowing money on false accounts from the bank. Um, he'd been borrowing money from Dad Griffin. He would tell the bank that he had, like, that this was his income, this is all coming in, but it would be like, he knew he was retiring, but he didn't mention that he was retiring so he could get a bigger loan. Right. Because they go off so that income. So he's fudging, yeah, like, dumb fudging numbers. Shit. So he made a lot of impulse purchases, like cars and things like that, and he always had a story to justify his purchases. Yeah. Well, shit, like, well, I can do that too. Gonna, yeah, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to need this vehicle, and so I'm going to have to buy it right now. Yeah, all right. That's a fucking, um, that's a bipolar thing. People yeah. that start making, like, impulse trigger purchases and decisions and shit, or, like, can't keep themselves under control sexually. Yeah. That's a bipolar thing. Well, because he, um, like, earlier in life, he would pinch pennies, and, well, obviously, because he was so tight about everything, and he would save a bunch of money, and then he would have money to make these purchases, but as time went on, he figured out that he can just fudge, and he can get all the money he needs without, you know. Well, but going back to that bipolar thing, along with the money issues, he also had a compulsive masturbation issue. It was, like, humiliating to him. Because he didn't want to bang his wife anymore because she's no good. She can't procreate. So he's just going to go rub one out in the shower every day or whatever. But fuck that's... Sock. I don't know. <laughs> Fifi. I'm going to fuck my Fifi. My Fifi. <laughs> um, but this, again, comes back into that bipolar thing. When you start making those impulse buys, you have unchecked fucking sexual issues. Mm-hmm. But he had a chronic masturbation problem that was, like, humiliating to him. So he didn't want to have anything to do with Becky, like we said, because... Her tubes are tied, so... You're done to me. Raise the children and go away. Fucking wither up and die. Yeah, but he still wanted her there as his wife. He just didn't want to fuck her anymore. So, but then what happens is he fucking turns to his daughter, Sheila. So, jumping to 1980, he is now retired from the military. Sheila was 17 and was really developing into a blossoming woman. And Jean had started to, like, build a desire for her. So she was getting to the point where it was where the father is going to fear. Like when my kids start getting to that age, it's like, oh shit, we're gonna f- we fear for the other, the dudes that are gonna be right. In. So he had that fear. Plus his was extra twisted, and it turned him on. Like her little body developing, like just sent him for a loop. Yucky. He loved it. So Jean was now home all the time. And was really, like, slave-driving his kids. He had them work super hard, wouldn't give him any breaks, had, like, all the fucking chores, all the everything, and wouldn't let him have a social life. So all he did was, like, literally fucking chain-gang his kids into fucking doing shit around the house. Oh, yeah. That's all they did. And they did retarded things like put, um, stack rocks in front of their house to make a rock fence around their house. Like, dumb shit like that. Go pick rocks. Yeah. The fuck? Yeah. So, he also grew to despise little Jean. And he would constantly, like, flaunt Sheila, like, in his face. Like, this is my favorite And baby. she loves me. Do you see how she treats me? Because she loves me. He also called little Jean the one who wouldn't work. Because he said little Jean didn't do enough work. And that's, that, that was, like, his, his little slogan for him was the one who wouldn't work. After that, he also made Sheila, like, a, like a coin collection. Yeah, because he wanted he he was interested in coins, and nobody else in his family was interested in him. Because he wanted them to have a common interest. Yes. So he created this little coin collection for her. In August of 1981, he took her on a trip, just the two of them, with some money that he got on false information. 
And they were going to some like numismatic show, which I guess is like the study of currency. Okay. Coins and currency. As they drove, Sheila would be cuddled up to her dad and he would run. Oh, God, this is fucking disgusting. Yeah. He would run his hand up and down her thigh. When they stopped at a hotel for the night, Sheila took a shower. And when she got out, she was wearing only panties and one of her dad's white T-shirts. He told her that they had to share a bed because they would charge him extra if they used both. What the fuck? She's 17. She's probably not really been to a hotel before, so she believes him. Like, well, I can't why, imagine. why would your dad lie to you? Yeah. So she sits in the bed next to him, and then he began kissing her on the mouth. He laid her down and had sex with her. That night, she cried herself to sleep. Well, yeah, because that's the first time any of that had happened, because before that, all she thought was, was like, a father-daughter thing. Because, like, I cuddle with my dad. I get all nestled up next to him, and... I mean, he doesn't rub my leg all creepy-like and shit, but I cuddle up to him and, you right. know, we'll chill and watch a movie sometimes. Like, it's not like we watch a whole movie, but if he's sitting there and I'll be like, ah, you know. Yeah. I've always been that way with him. But but you have to also assume that she was a virgin. Oh, of course she was. Because he so, wouldn't let her go do anything. No. So how could she So not only has he started grooming his daughter for incestuous purposes, he's taken her, virgin- taken her virginity, totally betrayed her trust, and... She comes out of the fucking shower. She's a well-developed young lady. She's in nothing more than panties and a fucking t-shirt. Well, yeah, because that's what she wears to bed, thinking that she's totally safe. She's with her dad. And then he starts his shit and does his thing on her. Rapes her, obviously, because that's not consensual. And as she's crying, he's, like, telling her not to cry, because I love you. I do this because I love you. And you love me. (sighs) So the incest continues, and Jean would, like, buy her gifts and be like, I love you, I love you, this is this is what we do because we love each other. Yeah. And he would pick Sheila up from school and leave the other kids on the curb waiting for the bus. Like, this is another thing that, like, as a mother, you should see this and be like, the fuck? Like, you can't do for one if you're not going to do for the others. Yeah. So, like, why are you taking just Sheila and, and going and doing? Yeah. And the reason he left the others at the curb is because he was taking her to go do shit. He would, he would take her, and he would take her and go get her gifts. And he would, that's when he would have sex with her in the back of their van while they were gone. So that's why he didn't take all of the kids and bring them home. They weren't going home. They were going to go have sex and have him buy her stuff. Now, she wasn't consensual to, to this. She didn't like it, but... What, what was she going to do? Fight him over, you know, fight him and tell him not to do it? or No, and, and it's one of those things where, like, if you've been groomed by your father or any adult, really. Yeah. Like, what do you know? Like, what, what difference, yeah. what difference do you know? So, he continues on with the incest. Yeah. But by September, his wife, Becky, had caught on to what was going on, but she didn't say anything because... You know, she's afraid of getting her head knocked off. So why the fuck is she going to say anything? And eventually, like, Sheila got sick of it. And she told him, I don't feel right about this. And they, like, talked about it. And whatever she said apparently got to him because then he decided to stop. And he didn't stop treating her as his favorite, though. He still bought her gifts. He still took her places. But he wasn't um, having sex with her or anything anymore. But he would take her into his room, just him and her, for conversations. And a lot of the conversations were, um, you know how much I love you. 
and this incest is our little secret and we don't need to to tell anybody and I did this to protect you from the monsters that are out there that would do this to you what I, the fuck? it does not make any sense to me I don't want to know but that's, that's like protecting her that I have no fucking idea I, I'm trying to run that through the database in my head of all the ways it might make sense and it just fucking does not yeah of all the ways that it should make sense <laughs> it fucking does it does not there are none I don't, I don't fucking understand it. So after the incest stopped, she started burying herself in her schoolwork. Leading up to now, she didn't have good grades because of all the shit that was going on in their house. Like all of their kids had shitty, had shitty grades. They all slipped in school. But she started to bury herself in her schoolwork to make her forget about the incest and what, and what was going on at their house. And she started getting really good grades. She received math awards. She was elected as a class officer. All of that stuff that goes with good school. However, However, in March of 1981, she found out she was pregnant. So I don't really know at what point the incest stopped and what point she found out she was pregnant. I couldn't find the timeline in between there. Right. But the incest started in August and it stopped somewhere before March, clearly. Obviously. But by this point, she knows that she's pregnant. Uh Uh-huh. So, she told him, she hadn't gone to the doctor or anything, but she knew. I I could imagine she was pretty far along, and so she could tell what was going on. And so, on her prom night, Gene decided to tell his wife. Um, and that was March 21st. Yes, it was March 21st of 1981. Mm-hmm. He bought Sheila a dress, made her get her picture with the whole family in this dress, and she didn't like the dress because it you could see her belly in it a little bit. You could mm. tell that she was pregnant, so she didn't really like it. But wore it anyway. And he took her to the prom and dropped her off because he's making her go. Like, he's just... I don't, I don't fucking get it. Like, nobody asked her, so, so she's never had... He's, he's kept her from having any kind of a social life ever, but he puts her in a fucking dress that shows off the fact that she's got a baby bump and drops her off to her high school fucking yeah. prom. Yeah, what I the don't fuck? understand at all. Maybe that was a like an intentional like. Look at what I did. Yeah, like a trophy. I don't know. So when he returned from dropping her off, that's when he broke the news of the pregnancy to Becky and Billy. And Billy is the one that's just younger than Sheila because it went little Jean, Sheila, Billy. Right. Because by then, uh, little Jean little had already Jean, moved out. Yeah, he moved out. He lived up by her by Becky's mom and stepdad and had a job and was taking care of himself because he was so sick of getting the shit beat out of him by Jean. He was like, fuck it, I'm out. So Jean ended up taking Becky to all of her doctor's appointments like a doting father of, I don't know what what we're doting father of, the baby or the mom because he's father of both. Ugh. He bought books about breastfeeding and about baby names. And he was there for everything that she ever needed. She, he was, ugh, fuck. I, ugh. Yeah, it just makes me sick. Yeah. Uh, Becky ended up telling little Jean on a phone conversation that they had and begged him to stay quiet because if big Jean caught wind that she had told anybody, he was going to beat the fuck out of her and everybody else that knew. And so... Little Jean ended up telling one of his friends, who her name was Sheila, but Sheila told him to call DCFS. So after he thought about it, he made multiple anonymous calls to DCFS. The reason he made multiple was to cover his ass so his dad didn't see, think that it was just one phone call that went in. Right. So he couldn't, like, pin it on him. 
Abe DeLion. Is that how you think you would say that? DeLion. DeLion, who was the director of the Otero, Otero County Office, ordered an immediate investigation and notified the DA, Stephen Sanders. On April 20th, the caseworker, Beth Simpson, from Social Services began an investigation, obviously, because... Obviously? Yeah, fuck. There's, yeah, I don't know. Um, let's see. <laughs> under, under, underage pregnancy, high school student, incest, hmm... Think we'll check it out. I think maybe we'll go look at this. We don't need no, to hold no. off on that one, do we? Good God. So they God. they went to the school and pulled Sheila out of class and questioned her while she was at school. Well Dude, you take a fucking pregnant female that's emotional. That's been that's raped been by her raped father. by her dad. That's like she's now pregnant. Of course she's gonna get fucking like overwhelmed and just be like she got word vomit and told them fucking everything. Everything. Every little thing. When they questioned Gene, he thought he was cool. Because in the military, you know how they question you and they they groom you to answer questions. Oh the way that yeah, right. I can't like standardized questioning or whatever I can't think of what the fuck it's called. So he thought he could beat the system by giving them the right answers and he could go past it. But he he reassured them during this visit that he was planning on raising the baby and that they didn't need any help and that they were okay. What a fucking cunt. Like, so like then, oh no, we're like, fine. During, during the questioning and shit, did he just like shrug off the fucking yeah. incest? He just like sidestepped the fact that he was the father and the grandfather. He's like, no, we're good. We can take care of it. But thanks for your concern. Appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, I'm glad you stopped by. Let's see, see if you need anything else. So, they decided not to prosecute him, but they wanted to use it as a threat. They made him go to counseling with his wife, Sheila, and the three younger kids. So, he's trying to make himself look normal at this point and goes to, he took a civilian position with the 6585, <laughs> Jesus, let me screw this up, 6585th, yes, that, test group at Holloman and said that the reason he hadn't been employed there before was because of a filing error. Like, he had applied for it, but he didn't get it because he filed the papers wrong, and this is why I haven't worked for so long. It's just, it's their fuck up. It's not me. I tried. It's them. Yeah. By now, the incest story had hit all of the local papers. Everybody in town knew what was going on, and so he was getting looked at all fucking weird, and yeah, and you know, of course he didn't like that, because he's always right, and he's the best, and blah, well, blah, Well, now, right, but he had also decided that the counselors had tricked him. Yeah. And so, he decided to cut, like, all fucking ties. Yeah. He with social services, with fucking counselor. counseling centers, all Nobody's of going to counseling anymore. Like, fuck you guys, we're out, they tried to trick me, they've tried to turn this around and make it look like it's my fault. And you know, like, like, I'm a fucking Jesus. bad guy for banging my daughter. Right, so... Beth Simpson filed to have Sheila, Loretta, and Marianne removed from the home and placed Jean on pre-prosecution probation and required counseling for Jean and Becky. So, it's all the girls except for the youngest one. I don't know why they decided the youngest <coughs> one could stay. Maybe she was too young. I'm not sure. I don't know. She noted that she wanted Sheila removed because of the relationship between Jean and Sheila. Fuck mouth, make words. For real. Like, that's an easy word, too, and I'm <laughs> fucking it up. Sheila. Sheila. <laughs> the relationship between Jean and Sheila was making it so that she couldn't have a normal social life because she's essentially dating her fucking father. Right. Ugh. So that's why they want her removed. It sounds so fucking, pos- like, 
perverse. It is. When you actually say it out loud. She's essentially dating her father. She is, because he's picking her up from school. He's taking her to go do, like, get ice cream. Go, let's buy you some clothes. Let's Let's read this book on fucking breastfeeding. Yeah, and then he does his thing with her in the back of the van. Like, come on. Well, I guess that has stopped by now, but they're still, like, dating, basically. So, in July of that year, she started showing... And, well, because she was, like, damn near due. So, by July, she was they were having her schoolwork brought to her. And that was um, DCFS people. They they decided that she should be home, and they'll bring the schoolwork to her. Well, and I think that was, that was pretty common practice, like, in the 80s and 90s, that, like, if you were actually um, pregnant in high school, the school administration would ask you to step away. Yeah. And I don't know if it was to save face for the person who was pregnant in high school so that they were helping you evade high school gossip and bullying or if they didn't want you to like be there because they didn't want people to think it was okay well my mom got pregnant and it would have been the same about the same time because she had my brother in 1978 and so she got pregnant her senior year she had him in march so she graduated in the middle of the year so that she didn't have to finish out high school with her big belly. Mm-hmm. My grandma got pregnant, and this was way back in, it would have been in the 50s, got pregnant, and they, like, took her out of school completely to have my aunt, and then my great-grandma and grandpa raised her. Isn't that weird how families will do that? Well, and um. then my other grandma, my on my dad's side, my grandma's sister got pregnant at 16 in high school and they like shipped her away said that she was going to a different school made her have her baby away Mm -hmm. and then brought her back and pretended like nothing ever happened well she got so fucked up over that that she never never got married to this day she's still alive never got married never had any more kids yeah but wouldn't that fuck with you mentally of course it would not as bad as this shit, though. Probably not. (laughs) I'd take that over this any day fucking for real Sheila gave birth on June 17th, 1981, to a daughter named Sylvia Gale. Make note that Sylvia Gale was the only child of genes that didn't have a family name. I don't know why. I didn't find out why if, you know, if Sheila was just like, no, we're not doing that or what. So soon after she had the baby, Sheriff Jeff Farmer came to their house to investigate, but Sheila wouldn't answer any questions. She was like, no, no, no. And he was even like, I'm with the... Um, I'm with DCFS. You need to answer these questions. I need you to tell me what the fuck is going on. Like, yeah. and, and she's still like, I think the more questions he asked, the deeper she dug her heels yeah, she and was, was like, like hell to the fuck. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no way. Jean caught wind of the intent, like this, I don't know, like attempted investigation and took Sheila and the two youngest girls toward Arkansas, left Becky and just boned out. Yeah, he was like, I'm, I'm out. Fucking your, see ya. Get your shit. Get all the shit packed up. Meet me there. Bye. Yeah. Because little Jean, who had moved back, and the rest of the kids were there to, like, help her pack so that yeah, they could go so join them later. They've got a whole herd of fucking Simmons. Yeah, they, they got left. So he took Sheila and her baby, obviously, and then the two littlest girls. So you've got and Loretta May and... Becky Lynn. Becky Lynn. Rebecca and, Lynn. And fucking bailed. Yeah. Does that no, not, I, no, like... No, didn't take Loretta, because Loretta's the second 
Oh, the, the, the so he takes only fucking females and, and goes like doesn't that ones. like yeah doesn't that fucking like raise an alarm yeah well he yeah. left he left Loretta there to help Pat because she was an older one and so he took the two younger and the two younger were the insurance policy so that they that he knew that Becky wasn't going to do anything or say anything yeah, or to, to take him and run mm-hmm. even though she wouldn't have. No, because she was so fucked in the head. If she knew about the incest but never said anything, never reported anything, what the fuck was she going to do otherwise? Like, that should have been the breaking point. If you know that your husband is fucking your daughter. Yeah. And you do nothing. Like, little Jean was still there with her packing. And while they're packing, little Jean's like, leave him. Leave him, like, get your shit, let's fucking go. We'll be able to get the other kids. We can do this. you got to leave him. you got to get out. You're putting us through all this bullshit. Because there had been plenty of times that Gene and little Gene had squared up. Because right. little, little Gene would stand up for his mom like like a son should. And Gene would just beat the fuck out of him. And then beat the fuck out of her because she he, was there. Right. Or, you know, he was trying to stand up for her. And they don't respect him and they don't love him and it's their fault that he has to beat the shit out of him if they would just love him it's not my fault i hit you yeah if everybody would just love him everything would be fine so here we are he took the two youngest becky just can't find the fucking wherewithal or the courage or whatever to like leave this piece of shit because she wanted to stay with him till he got better to help him get better okay gross on August 10th, the sheriff, Jeff Fargo, would show up with an arrest warrant for Gene, and that's where he pretty much stumbles upon an abandoned fucking house. Like, nobody's there anymore. Everything's been packed up. It's all gone. Yeah, they're gone. They do. So he's got an arrest warrant for somebody that is no longer in the state. And so then what do you fucking do? So Gene was finally in Arkansas, where he'd always wanted to be. He had his big family. His big fucked up family. And that's how he wanted it. Yeah. And for now, that's where we leave you. So here we are at the end of our episode. And just to give you guys a quick recap, we've got Ronald Jean Simmons. Who's a bitch. Who is a bit of a bitch. A cunty bitch, if you might say. Yeah, a little cu- spoiled ass bitchy motherfucking know-it-all. Want it my way. Cunt. Never, never... I'm not wrong. You're wrong. You're I wrong. meant to do it that way. I made you made me beat you, bitch. <laughs> I always laugh when no, but you it's say true. Like that. It's laughing at him, not at the fact that he beat her, but laughing at him that he would throw a fit like that and be like, "See, you made look me what beat you made you. me do." It was um, your fault. I mean, the kid basically grew up. He wasn't. He he didn't have like a detrim- detrimental childhood. He spent some time at a reformatory school because he was a fucking punk. And then he gets out, he gets married to a girl that doesn't really know him all that well. And is just a genuine, I think she was just a genuine, nice, quiet person to begin with. Had a make ton of babies. babies. All the babies. And then ton fucked one of his babies. Ew. Sorry. That made it way weirder. Well. The fact that, like, the part where it was like he took her out and was doing his thing. I can't even say banged. Like, I don't even want to associate it. No, he, like... But he literally he raped groomed, her in literally the groomed his daughter for horrifying things. In their family van, he takes her out and rapes her in the back of the family van. Well, in the fact that he, one of the things that he did that really upset me 
is when he took her to that fucking coin show and was like, oh, you can't sleep in that bed because they'll charge me extra. Mm-hmm. Just totally lying through his fucking nasty ass teeth. Well, the thing with him is, is he plans everything out perfectly. He has a plan for everything. And so, you know, he had that planned out before he went. Because he plans it all out. And when it doesn't go the way he has planned, he throws a fit. And then he has a child out of incest. Daddy, grandpa. Ugh, gross. It's like the dunkle. Yeah, it's just... The daddy uncle? It's just... Fuck. So fucking awful. Everything... And we haven't even made it to the fucking bad part. Right. Like, I'm totally disgusted with this son of a bitch. And all we've made it through is... Well, we, there is a bad part in this episode, but the really even worse part, because I can't say it's, I don't know, fuck. The killing part, how about that? How about that? We haven't even gotten to the moitas. Yeah, the The moitas haven't even happened. They haven't even happened. No moitas. So, and that will be our part two, but for now, we're going to leave you with this. And then we've got a few things that we think you guys should listen to. We do. First off, you need to go check out episode 27 of The Functioning Drunks. Which is entitled Ass Casserole. That's thanks to me, because somebody said ass something, and I thought they were going to say ass casserole, because ass casserole is something that people say often, is it not? I don't think so. Oh. (laughs) Weird. Oh. Weird. But we were actually part of that episode, and it was a great big long episode, and so I think uh, Dennis... Is going to split that into... Two. Multiple. Yeah. So the first part has been released. He dropped it on Thursday, I believe. But it's just us being us. There's no... There was... There was no, like, she... No, no filter. No, no fucking... No outline for this. It's just us being assholes. And if you disagree with anything that we said, we encourage you to... Let us know. Yeah. And we'll turn that into a fucking episode. Yeah, we were we were just assholes saying shit for shock factor, just fucking around. It some was of it. fun. Yeah. Some yeah. Some of it. You figure out what we said for shock factor. <laughs> uh and then also go check out History Dweebs. Yeah, we've said it before. And I'll and we'll say, say it, it again. again. Man, I love being a turtle. <laughs> Life is too short. Mm. So you're fucking, you're talking about turtles and I'm going to start rapping. Yeah, yeah, whatever. We can can do this. Whatever. But they, after we gave them a shout out on our show, I went to their show and got on their group page. And then Tim, who was one of the hosts, reached out to me and said, why don't you drop one of your episodes on our page? Because I think we have similar audiences. So I did. And we've been getting a lot of response from that. And I just thought that was really fucking badass of him. To reach back out to us and, and say, hey. Yeah. I think we should plug him on our page, too. Yeah. I know. A little bit I, more. Well, I felt like a jerk afterwards because I was like, he wants us to plug him on it. And that would be the point. Insert, hey, why don't you plug your shit on our page, too? No, the, that was me fangirling. Oh, my God. He wants me to put our shit on his page. And the, the, and then you just fucking forget. Yeah, so so we're, we're going to have to reach out and ask him to do the same. Um, also, if you're looking for new things to, um, take up some of your time, there's a podcast done by Stephanie, Melissa, Jesse, and John called Say You Love Satan. They're fucking hilarious. Like, 
I was just listening to part of one. It's the Beetlejuice episode. Which yes. Is like 86, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're sitting around telling what everybody is drinking. And God, it's just like us sitting around talking like, she, she's like, shut your fucking whore mouth. Like, they just talk to each other <laughs> no, like it's, we do. It's, yeah, I think you guys will really enjoy that. And if you have a minute and you're caught up on other episodes and you're looking for something new, go check that out. It's 80s horror films. And it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, something else, uh, there's a, it's an adult cartoon that I found on uh, Twitter. And it's done by Matt Hanley and Jordan Barossi. And it's called Walk and Whale. And it's about a black dude that is living in a halfway house with like a hundred year old Asian dude. And kind of like they're back and forth. Go check it out. It's fucking hilarious. I highly recommend it. I know it's not a podcast, but it's definitely something. It's kind of like when people are like, what's Rick and Morty? And I'm like, fuck! <laughs> Go watch Go it Go watch now. it. Um, another one is called the Not Guilty Pod. Yeah. And you can find them on Twitter at not underscore guilty underscore pod. Um, definitely, like, oh my wow. God, I don't even know what that was. That was a whole bunch of... Sorry, all, it's my... I know, my cold medicine is wearing off and I'm starting to get very sleepy and very grumpy. But the Not Guilty Pod, I strongly recommend that you guys check this out. It's along similar lines where they talk about different true crime and other things. So definitely go and give them a listen. Yes. And I feel like at this point we should talk about last week episode, last week's episode. And oh, I want yeah. to give everybody a big hug for <laughs> staying with us, for everybody who listened to it. That one was rough. So, And this was, okay, so for me, Angel, um, I have known about Baby Brianna since it first came out. And I think the first time I ever heard of it was in 2002, 2003. Um, it was a lot to digest then. And this was before a lot of the details had been released. This is a case that I've been wanting to do for a while. But in order to talk about it, I had to cry it out and like get it out of my system so that I was able to have a discussion with my co-hosts and not melt down in front of a microphone. I know that child murder is fucking rough. And I know that child abuse is fucking rough. And I'm not trying to negate that in any way, shape or form. But I had taken several months to write this all down and then reread it until I didn't cry anymore when I read it. Yeah, it was horrible. So that I could say it in the microphone to my audience without coming apart. And that's why we let you say it all. I just sat there and fumed and stared at you with a stomachache. I had the worst stomachache ever. And I was just fuming, getting so pissed off at how... People let this happen. But I just wanted to tell everybody, thanks for sticking with us through through that. It was rough. I know that there's going to be episodes that might be too much to listen to. And that's part of true crime. It's hard to read and research, let alone talk about it. Yeah. And so if it's hard to listen to, I 100% get it. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we should hand out uh, awards cyber awards for making it through those rough ones. Like the whole a, fucking episode? Like a colored skull or something. Right. You've received your colored skull for listening to this episode. You get 100 points. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully we don't cover it more than 50 points to Slytherin! Yeah. Fuck. It all goes to Slytherin. Right? Bitches. But it's one of those things where I understand and you guys need to like gear up for some of this shit because 
the next several episodes will include child murder. Now, will it be as rough as baby Brianna? No. No. Maybe. Fuck. I don't know. Yeah, it's still going to have some in, but it's not going to be anything to that extent. No. Oh, and while we're here, let's talk about Patreon. We've talked about how Patreon was going to... Oh, yeah, they were going to... extra? So it was going to be... They were going to revamp a few things on Patreon to where we received more money, but our actual patrons were being charged a surcharge, and especially our internationals. Yeah, and for the lower donations, like the $1 donations were getting fucked. Right. But they... Everybody signed a petition. I don't know if everybody did, but I know I did, and I know Angel did, did, and I know a lot more people signed petitions. They revoked that. They're not doing it anymore. So, thank God we have our Patreon. They're going to charge us instead of you guys, which I'm totally okay with. I'd rather have it that way. Yeah, I'd rather have them take it from us than you guys. Um, And so, if there's ever, and we're looking at other options, um, I know that, like, if you guys want to make a donation through PayPal... Because they don't charge you any fees, you can always donate um, at colormedeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can make a reoccurring donation that way. If you would prefer to do it through Patreon, you... Oh. Wow. I'm starting to lose my You're voice again. you 14. I know. Oh, shit. <laughs> I know. Um, if you want to continue going through Patreon, you most certainly can. Especially now where they're not going to be putting on those surcharges to the actual patrons. But if you want to join our Patreon, do so. We we release quite a bit of extra shit there. There's sneak peeks. There's an extra BS session every week between us. There's a full extra episode every month. So go check us out there. And we're definitely looking at other Patreon perks. Yeah. So we're going to be adding like extra merchandise to the 20 and aboves, um, whether it's a t-shirt or a koozie or... Mug a mug or even like different stickers just different shit um because we know that you guys deserve what you pay for yeah and we want to keep we want the way i just about said that was dirty because i said i I was gonna say we want to keep you coming well that too that's suggestive (laughs) we want to keep you guys coming Mm -hmm. isn't that usually the main goal just saying I don't know. Sometimes enough is enough. Yeah. Makes enough of a mess. <laughs> Buck up. It's never enough. Gross. Keep it going. <laughs> so, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, part two will be recorded and released the following week. It's time to give a big shout out to our Patreon Wolfpack members. We have Tiffany Rivera and Clinton Toon. Thank you guys so much for all of your support and thanks to all of our Patreons, of course. But we also want to thank our sponsor, Tom, from Horrid Taste. You are a badass. Remember to always moisturize your face. Stop saying moisturize. Moisturize. And stay out of chalk lines. Goodbye. Goodbye. Stop saying moisturize. (laughs) Throws me off every time. Hey guys, this is Dennis from the Functioning Drunks Podcast, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, our uh, website, thefunctioningdrunks.com, uh, Twitter, FD Podcast 69 
If you haven't heard the show, we uh, talk a little bit about everything. Um, nothing too serious most of the time. Uh, we usually have some guests on from time to time. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Give us a... We usually drop our episodes on Wednesday or Thursday of every week. And, uh, yeah, check us out. Hey there, it's Allison Carter. I'm the host of the podcast, Not Your Little Lady. Each episode features a woman living in the South outside of socially accepted norms. Listen and relate as these women share stories about obstacles they faced and how it feels to come out on the other side. We talk about things that pissed us off, the booze we like to drink, and historical women who have made a difference. Through all this, we explore the importance of women owning their past, present, and future while keeping it light and funny. You can find episodes, which are released every other Wednesday, on most podcast listening apps or at notyourlittlelady.com. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at NYLL and on Facebook and Instagram at NotYourLittleLady. Happy listening, y'all.